This is the Mike Rice Podcast. News, interviews, and opinion. Here's Mike. Hi, thanks for being with us. Dave Logan is as talented of an athlete as Colorado has ever produced, but his accomplishments extend far beyond what he achieved on the football field. When Dave was 18 months old, his family moved to Colorado from Fargo, North Dakota. He was a multiple sports star at Wheat Ridge High School and went on to play football and basketball at the University of Colorado. Dave and Dave Winfield have the distinction of being the only two athletes to ever be drafted by the NFL, the NBA, and Major League baseball. Ultimately, Dave Logan played wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns from 1976 to 1983 and part of the 1984 season with the Denver Broncos. After his playing days, Dave went into broadcasting and started at KOA News Radio in June of 1990. He served as Larry Zimmer's color analyst on Denver Broncos broadcast from 1990 to 95 and started calling play-by-play for Broncos road games in 1996. Dave took over full-time play-by-play duties in 1997. Passionate about football, Dave broke into coaching in 1993 when he became the head coach at Arvada West High School. During his time as the head coach at A-West, Chatfield, Mullen, and now Cherry Creek, Logan's teams have amassed an incredible record of 256 wins and 63 losses and have won seven state championships. In 2009, Logan launched TeamDaveLogan.com, a home improvement referral website that continues to grow. Simply put, Dave Logan is a Colorado icon, even though he would never admit it. Dave, let's start by talking Broncos and your impressions of the offseason, what you've seen in training camp to this point, and whether or not you think the changes will result in a better football team in 2018. Well, I'm, I'm an optimistic sort, Mike. So I would, I would say I think so. I mean, I think they're going to be better. They haven't had back-to-back losing seasons for 45 years. So the track record of the franchise would indicate that they're going to be better this year. But I think that um, I think it's been an interesting offseason. I think it's been one that, frankly, a lot of people at the UC Health Center um, sort of suffered through. I think they were embarrassed. Uh, a lot of them were embarrassed as to not only the record last year, 5-11, and 11, but how they achieved the record. You know, it's one thing to lose. It's another thing to lose the way they did, not really being competitive in most of those losses. And I think that sticks with you if you're a competitor and you're a guy that, that um, you know, takes things to heart. I think a season like last year sticks with you. So I'm anxious to see what they do. Camp you know, I think has looked pretty good to start with. I think Case Keenum is a huge signing for them. I think he uh, will solidify that quarterback spot. And as long as they can run the ball and they can, uh, I, I think Case will be involved in play action. I think he's an accurate thrower. I think they'll throw the ball better, which will help the running game. But as long as they can have a balanced offense, then I think they're going to be they're going to be better and have a chance to win plenty of games and more games than they won last year. It's tough to say now, but do you anticipate Keenum being closer to the level he showed with the Vikings last year, or was that, in your mind, more of an aberration? I think he'll be closer to what we saw in Minnesota. Um, because this is the first opportunity the case has had to be the starting guy. So uh, I think he's excited about it. I think you know when you go into camp and you're not the starting quarterback – you, you still have to prepare as though you're going to be the starter, but 
you know, unless something happens, either an injury or lack of production to the starter, you're not going to play. So this now is an opportunity that I think Case will seize and really take advantage of. And uh, I'll, I'll be I'll be fairly shocked if he doesn't have a very good year. Now, is he going to be a guy that, you know, we, we've had John Elway here. We've had Peyton Manning here. We've had some other good quarterbacks. We've had those guys who are great quarterbacks. I mean, he's not going to throw for 5,000 yards and 55 touchdown passes. That's just not – and that's not what the Broncos are going to ask him to do. It's not what their offense is about. But I think you'll find him uh, really good in the red zone. I think he'll make good decisions with the ball. Uh, when he doesn't have somebody open, he'll get rid of the ball. So if you punt it, you punt it. But, you know, they just had so many turnovers last year that took them out of games really early. And I think that that's been a point of emphasis for the Broncos this year. And a lot of that will depend on how Case plays. Voice of the Broncos, Dave Logan with us. Can and perhaps will Vance Joseph be a really good to excellent NFL head coach over time? I think that um, I think time will tell. That's you know that's a little bit of a cop out answer, but um, I like Vance personally. But in this league, I mean, I've seen guys that I know are quality coaches that I know have a good understanding of football and work hard at it, and I've seen them fired. So I I think this is a critical year for the team and um, a big, big year for Vance. And, you know, if they can show improvement, if they can be competitive in games, if they can, you know, be in the AFC West race as the season winds down towards the last month or so, that's what this organization really expects. Now, do they expect to go to the Super Bowl this year? realistically, they'd love to do it, but I don't think they expect it. But he's got to show, and the team has to show signs, that last year was an aberration. Last year was not what we're about as a team. Last year is not what I was about as a coach um, because it's, it's a tough business. And so I think Vance understands that. He's a smart guy, and I've known him for a long time. He, he understands that he's on the hot seat this year, and I think he, he relishes just the opportunity to come back and – uh, you know, try to sort of make up for what happened last year. Can the Broncos make the playoffs? I think they can. I don't think they're a lock to make it, um, but I think they can. I think you look at the AFC West. I mean, first of all, if you win the AFC West, you not only make the playoffs, you're guaranteed a home playoff game. So that's, to me, that's the track. Um, you know, Gruden in Oakland, that's going to be an interesting marriage. I think the, I think the Raiders will be better offensively. I think Derek Carr will be much better this year than he was last year. I'm still not sold on the Raider defense, especially with Khalil Mack holding out. Who knows how that's going to uh, sort of shake out. Uh, Kansas City is an interesting team. I think they have a lot of weapons, a bunch of weapons. And a young quarterback that is a gunslinger, and Mahomes can really throw the ball. But this is going to be his first year starting. And I, I have not liked the Chiefs' defense the last couple of years, and frankly, neither of the Chiefs with all the changes that they've made in the offseason. So, you know, the Chargers are an interesting team. Phillip Rivers, I've always liked him. I think he gives you a chance to win every single time he takes the field. Um, they're, they're good on defense. They can rush the passer. They've had some key injuries already in training camp. Jason Barrett's gone, and Hunter, uh, Hunter Henry is gone as well. So, 
We'll see. But, I, yeah, I think the Broncos, listen, they've got to be much better in, in a lot of different areas. Yeah. But they've got to be a 6-2 and two or better team at home. And if they are and you can be a 500 team on the road, that's the formula. That gets you to 10 wins. And I think 10 wins get you in. We're with Dave Logan. How much fun is it to be the voice of the Broncos? Well, I mean, I, I'm blessed. I really enjoy it. I, you know, it's, uh, it's an honor for me, and it's one that I take very seriously. And it's one that, you know, a lot of former players don't get opportunities to be the play-by-play guy. Yeah. And so I understand that, and I, I have, uh, I've always kept that in the back of my mind. All right, there are now – I think there's, there's four now, four former players that are doing play-by-play this coming year, this year coming up uh, out of 32 teams. But, yeah, it's, for a kid who grew up in Denver and grew up a big Bronco fan um, and lived and died – and we did more dying back <laughs> back in those days with the team to, uh, to to be close enough to the team to broadcast the games and get to know the players and the coaches and the front office. And I've just got a lot of respect for them. So it's it's pretty cool. When you were growing up, did it ever cross your mind that calling the games was something you would like to do one day or something you would eventually aspire to? I, I would love to say yes, but it never did. Yeah. It never did. I mean, I grew up going down. You could get a ticket uh, fairly easily uh, in those days. My, my dad would drop off, uh, you know, a friend of mine, and we'd head down and get a ticket and just go in and watch the game. Now, you're talking about at that point, you know, the late probably 60s, yeah. mid to late 60s maybe. I was, you know, I was a kid. But um, I never once thought about broadcasting. But there was always such a, such a great feeling when you walked through the portal and I don't even know how to quantify it, but, uh, you know, a game day in the NFL for a kid, you, just the excitement yeah. level and sort of the smell of everything, it was something that really resonated with me. And, you know, I've been a football sort of junkie, uh, a nerd for, I mean, ever since I was a kid, I would watch every single game on TV or every single highlight show cut pictures out of the paper of football players. I was one of those kids, uh, and, and it's always been a big part of who I am. Were the Broncos your favorite team then? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They didn't win many games. Yeah. I mean, they, uh, you know, they, were, they, were not, they were not very good. I mean, Floyd Little was, was a great, great player, but um, it was rare to see them win. I remember a game in 69. In fact, I went to that game. It was at Bear Stadium. And they played the Jets, and that was the year after Joe Namath and the Jets had had won Super Bowl, I think, three. And uh, the Broncos beat them in that game. And that was the longest punt. It still stands as the longest punt in NFL history. Uh, it was Steve O'Neill, I believe, who punted the ball from the south end zone. And Billy Thompson, that was his rookie season, Billy had the ball deflect off his hands at about midfield, and it end-over-ended into the north end zone. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know that that record will ever be broken. 98 yards is a long way to punt a ball. <laughs> that is a great story. We're with Dave Logan, voice of the Broncos on KOA News Radio, and a long time, of course, star going back to the University of Colorado, going back to your days at Wheat Ridge High School. You were drafted in the NFL – you're drafted in the NBA, you're drafted in Major League Baseball. What was it about football that caused you to choose that sport? 
A moment of insanity, <laughs> I think, probably. No, it, the rules were a little bit different. I was, I was drafted by the Cincinnati Reds when I was in high school. And at that point, the rules were if you signed um, a major league contract, or even a minor league, if you signed with a major league team, you were ineligible to play any sport in college. And so that really wasn't a good option for me because I wanted to go to school and, uh, and, uh, and play. So, and then the, the, the NBA with the, with the uh, Kings, I had, uh, I had redshirted one year in basketball because I blew my knee out in football. So I had a full year to go back. So they drafted me and then said, hey, if you go back to school without football and just play basketball, you know, we, we, we would probably redraft. I can't remember exactly the term. But at that point, I'd broken my ankle playing basketball right before the NFL draft. That was not optimal and uh, probably cost me a few positions. And so I, I loved them all. I really did. But I just thought at that point, you know what, uh, I'll just go ahead and try football and see what I can do. Because of your love for the Broncos, did you know that down the road as you were growing up, if it ever came to a choice between the pro sports, that football would likely be the one you made? Not really. Not really. I, I Honestly, I was one of those kids that um, I loved whatever I was doing. Yeah. As soon as football season was over, I loved basketball, right? And then when basketball season was over, I went right to baseball. <laughs> I just I always had a ball of some sort in my hand. So I, I, didn't, I, I didn't really think about playing. The first time I ever thought about playing in the NFL – um, I was a sophomore at the University of Colorado, and it just sort of crossed my mind at that point. I, and I thought to myself, I wonder if I'm going to be good enough to ever have a chance to do that, right? So, but I never, I never really thought about it as a kid. We're with Dave Logan, voice of the Broncos. What was it, or what is it about the game of football that captured you as a young guy and continued to be? the sport that you enjoyed, that you threw yourself into, and that you eventually not only became great at as a player, but as a coach? I think football is, is a bit of a chess game. I think there are, there are moves and there are counters to those moves, and you have to think ahead a couple of moves. And I've always been fascinated with uh, that part of football. Um, there's, you know, and it's the ultimate team sport. Yeah. I love all the sports, but, you know, you've got 11 guys on the field on one side of the ball, and the success or lack thereof of a play might depend solely on one guy not doing his job. Yeah. And so it's – I've always been fascinated with the team concept. I grew up in team sports my, my whole life. But I think just um, – your ability to go back and look at film and try to digest what you see and then try to project, hey, this is what they do, and if we do this or that, I wonder how they'll adjust. There's a lot of those moves yeah. in every single game of football at, at every single level, and that's what I love. When did you first think about a coaching career? Well, my dad was, uh, was my Little League football coach or one of my Little League football coaches, also my uh, Midget League basketball coach. And uh, he and I always, I mean, as I, you know, got out of high school or went through high school and then to college, we talked about the importance of trying to, uh, to work with kids. Yeah. You know, he, he loved kids and, um, uh, and always urged me if I ever was in the position to do so 
that uh, to go work with kids in some fashion, whether it be coaching or Boys and Girls Club or, or what have you. So I always had it in the back of my mind. And then I had an opportunity to sort of um, couple that aspiration with my love of football, and it just seemed like a natural thing to do. When you started at Arvada West High School, did you feel more pressure to be successful because of your, your roots in Denver and your success as an athlete in this area? Yeah, I've always felt that. I mean, I feel that today, even as a high school coach, uh, and this will be year uh, 26 as a head coach. But I, I had the year before I applied for Arvada West, I'd applied for the Golden job and gotten the job. I got hired as a head coach of Golden. And um, three, three days, I was already hiring my staff and excited about it. And then three days into the, into the job, I got the call from the AD and he said, you know, I, I knew he wanted to say something because he kind of was beating around the bush. And he said, you know, we're going to bring a veteran staff, a veteran coach on the staff. And I said, oh, well, that's, that's great. Uh, who is it? And he said, uh, Eddie Kinst. And I knew of Coach Kinst, who was a legendary coach in this area, coached at a number of schools, good man, great motivator. And I said, well, that, awesome. I said, what, what do you want him to coach? And Bob Brown, the late Bob Brown, who was the AD at the time at Golden, said, well, he's going to be the head coach. And so, I, you know, I was kind of like that, that German shepherd that hears the whistle. It's like, what? So anyway, that didn't work out too well. And uh, so the next year, you know, Brian McGregor, who also is a legendary coach, he coached 27 years at Arvada West, the father of the late Kelly McGregor. Brian decided to step down as the Arvada West football coach, but he did so very late in, in the process. And so that job opened in almost the middle of June. Wow. And so a lot of quality, competent, excellent coaches that would have applied for that job, they already had jobs. Yeah. So the, the pool was just three of us, and I was fortunate enough to get the job. Did you ever think that not only would the run be as a coach this long, but this successful with your teams? I never really thought about that. Um, I've always felt a pressure um, to do the absolute best I, I can by the kids and give them every opportunity to be successful. I've always, from the first game at Arvada West through last year at Cherry Creek, um, I've always taken uh, losses really personal. Yeah. I feel like you know I, I let them down. And, um, and it's a referendum on either my coaching ability or my ability to put together a staff or does he, does he dedicate enough time. And so I, I, I've, I've done everything I possibly could do over a quarter century to make certain that even though there's, there's very little money involved in high school coaching, that I approach that job as a full-time job, that I dedicate as many hours as necessary to get the job done. Yeah. And I tell my staff that over the years. Hey, you guys should, you know, you should look at this job as you're making $70,000 a year. And if you're making $70,000 a year, I bet you dedicate a hell of a lot of time and energy, and it would be really, really important to you. Yeah. That's the kind of mindset that we as coaches have to have. So, yeah, and, and I've had that uh, in terms of high school coaching right from day one. You are ultra-competitive. But how do you balance the success of your team versus having the players on your team learn life lessons, go through growing experiences, and sometimes learning by trial and error on and off the field? Yeah, I, th I think it's, 
And I think I've developed this uh, over the course of uh, a long coaching career. I think that um, the life lessons you can teach the kids are things they're going to take with them forever, yeah. right? Um, the difference between right and wrong, the dedication it takes to be a good teammate, the ability to uh, withstand adversity and uh, be able to get back on track, the ability to be competitive. I mean, there's some kids that are ultra competitive and a lot of kids that are not. Yeah. And um, the ability to do the right thing off the field. So there, there's all sorts of and – and I tell parents of um, kids that I have coached and coach now – we probably spend more time with these kids in the fall than you do. You know, we spend a lot of time <laughs> yeah. with them. So we're very interested in trying to teach them um, good things and life skills that they'll be able to uh, enact as they, as they get older. But, listen, it's, it's hard to lose. You find a lot out about a man. Um, it's hard to walk across that field when you've put everything you have into a week's worth of work. Yeah. And, you know, you got to go shake the other coach's hand and say, hey, great job. You know, it just is. And the hardest thing is at the end of the year, there's only one team, really, that is happy after their final game. You can get all the way to the state championship. And if you don't win that game, your kids are crushed. And that's, I tell you what, that's always been uh, a real challenge for me because that's, you see those kids after what they put into it, and they're sobbing. And it's just, it's a painful reality that is unavoidable. And yet, if I could figure out a way <laughs> to bottle something that would avoid that, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. How long do you think you want to continue to coach? You know, I'm, I'm going to coach um, as long as, well, first of all, as long as the good Lord allows me, right? He <laughs> yeah. sort of gets the final say on that deal and others. Um, but as long as I stay healthy and as long as I feel passionate about it, and as long as I think I can impact kids in a favorable way and teach them some football and um, put them in positions that they can be successful and help the ones that want to go to college mm-hmm. uh, achieve that and, and, then, and then win a few games. I mean, they work too, we work too hard, the kids work too hard for winning not to be important. I'm all for trying to validate all of our players. You know, you, you have 60 players on the varsity or whatever, uh, differing levels of talent. And, and you can validate 55, 56, 57. You can make their experience a positive one, uh, even though they may not get very much playing time, right? And how you do that, how, how you do that, intentionally during the week and how do you interact with them and do you never talk to them because they don't play I mean I'm I'm uber sensitive to those type things but uh, I you know my love for the game my passion my excitement level my energy level have not waned at all uh, with respect I, I get and I tell you know parents and kids think I've lost my mind I, you know we we run out there before a high school game I'm just as excited as I was as a player in the NFL. Yeah. And it's important to those kids that, you know, you're, it's incumbent upon you to put them in a the right position yeah. where they can succeed. You don't want to be the reason they lose the game because you didn't, you know, you didn't think of this or you didn't work hard enough on that or what about yeah. this. So there's, you know, there's a multitude of things that happen during the week of, of a high school football season that, uh, that keep high school coaches awake at night. 
you're the voice of the Broncos. You're the coach of the Cherry Creek Bruins. You also have a daily radio show. How do you balance it all? Well, I'm blessed in this regard. Um, when I started coaching high school football, I was doing the 6 to 8 show on KOA. <laughs> so I didn't even tell my boss. At that point, Lee Larson. Because honestly, I thought, 6 to 8. That's my time. How is that going to – it's not going to affect my show. Practice is over at 6. I'll figure that out. Well, he called me in the office. <laughs> and at that point, Denver had two papers, and he flipped the papers over to me, kind of slid them across the desk and said, what's this? And so he had them open, and, you know, there was an article in each of the papers, and I said, oh, well, I'm going to coach at Arvada West. I mean, I'm not even be, I, 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 maybe I was naive, probably so, retrospectively. And he said, why am I finding out about this? I said, well, Lee, it's not going to affect the nighttime show. I'll still do the nighttime show. And I'll never forget his quote. He said, everything you do affects what we do here. Yeah. So it was the last time I learned a lesson. But then um, as, as we moved into the show, uh, I started, they asked me, uh, they asked me to do a show with Scott Hastings. Scott had just retired from the Nuggets, and I was doing the Nugget TV package at the time. And I said, sure, I'll be glad to. He said, uh, they said, we're going to start you on, uh, on 760 on the 3 to 6 show, but you've got to stop coaching high school football. And it was like 1995. I'd, I'd been at it for only like three years. I said, ah, I'll just stay 6 to 8. So <laughs> they, they relented. Um, and we, we did very well. We had good numbers out of the box, which is highly unusual. And then they came and said, hey, we're going to put you in the afternoons on KOA. We both said, hey, that's great. But then they get back, but you're going to have to stop coaching high school football. I said, you know, I'd just soon stay on 760. So it's been a bit of a tussle over the years, but I am so appreciative of my bosses here. And I've, I've been with this company since June of 1990. Wow. And so they have... They have created a way that I could coach, miss a lot of time on the afternoon show for all the months involved in the fall, and still create value to the company. Mm -hmm. And we've been able to find sort of middle ground on that. It's, uh, you know, I think from a financial standpoint, it's been uh, at times challenging, mm -hmm. but I'm appreciative that they've gone along with it. And I think now, uh, I, I would love to say I'm grandfathered in, but so far, you know, they, they, they seem to in the last few years know that, hey, he, this is important to him and we're going to support him and it's, it's good to go. Another one of your ventures outside of all that is Team Dave Logan. That is something what you started the last couple of years and kind of give us a, a quick background of what it is and how it's doing. Yeah, I was sitting having a cup of coffee with a friend of mine that, uh, that I'd worked with. She had worked in... Uh, in the iHeart family, Clear Channel family, for a long time, we were just talking about different uh, different things. And my mom called my cell phone, and she at that point was living in the same house that I grew up in in Wheat Ridge, and was looking for a, a plumber. They had a, had a pipe issue at the house, and asked me who she could trust and who she should call to come to her house. My dad passed away in 1993, so this is well after that, and I didn't know. I said, you know what, Mom, let me, I'll call you back tonight when I get off the air. That was the genesis of Team Dave Logan. And um, it took a long time for me to sort of wrap my head around because, you know, I had a more of a sports guy, whether or not, you know, a home improvement website would be effective and would be successful. 
So I finally agreed, and then she slid the name across of the company. And this is after probably two or three months of going back and forth. Do you think this is going to work? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't know. So a lot of coffee. And she slid the paper across, and the name of the company was Team Dave Logan. And I slid the paper back. True story. And I said, I'm not using that name. She said, that's the only way the company will work. I said, we're not doing the company. I'm not doing it. I just didn't, you know, I, if I'm going to put my name on something, I want to put it on something that I have and ideas is going to be successful. And I, you know, in this particular case, I, I didn't, I didn't really know, but we fast forward. Uh, she talked me into it and we launched in June of 09. And, um, you know what, we've worked very hard to establish a company that people can trust and that, uh, we, we vet every single one of our vendor partners, the owner of the respective company that is a partner of ours. We do it every single year, and we do everything we can to make certain that we um, drill down on these companies and that we find out that they're good companies that are reputable, that do good work for a reasonable price, that show up in your home, that are safe in your home. So it's it's that sort of thing. So it's a company built on trust, and um, you know I've been blessed that we branded the company you know, in a way that was not, you know, sports specific, yeah. right? We branded my name as a name that uh, now is sort of outside the realm of sports. And it's taken, it's taken a lot of effort, but I'm real proud of it and have 11, 12 people that work for the company and uh, work it every single day. And uh, I'm real proud of what, what they've accomplished. That is quite the accomplishment. Dave Logan is with us. Last couple of things. How do you get away from it all, unplug decompress. What do you do to just have time for yourself outside of the business, outside of broadcasting, outside of coaching, outside of football? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Um, you know what? I work out every day. I think working out on a uh, hard aerobic workout, do some weights, but it clears my mind. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know what? I, I think honestly, because I've had this question asked to me before, I was raised in a blue-collar family. We lived in a half of a duplex. We rented half of a duplex until I was going into seventh grade. Wow. And then my mom and dad moved into the house in Wheat Ridge, where in that house, you know, I thought it was like a mansion, you know. Yeah. It was like 1,600 square feet. It's, it wasn't, wasn't very big. But, you know, you, you didn't know that you didn't have anything. So I love what I do. I'll take a couple of weeks after the Bronco season is over and sort of just – go somewhere and chill and take my family and, and enjoy that. But other than that, I, I just haven't lost my passion to work. And you learn so many lessons from your parents growing up. You know, when people now are starting to think about cutting back, you know, my dad, if he were alive, and I, you know, if I said, you know, Pop, I'm thinking about cutting back a bit, I, I could almost verbatim hear what he would say. He would ask, okay, so... Are you, are you unhappy at work? Well, no, not really. Do you like the people you work with? I really do. Okay. Financially, is everything going okay? Yeah, it's going great. Okay. Um, and then after he established that I checked all the boxes and was happy doing what I'm doing, he'd look at me and say, so what the hell's wrong with you? Um, you know what I mean? So yeah. I, I, I've always allowed myself, because I think people need to do this. I think people that are driven Every now and then, you, you got to have a day where you have a sympathy day. 
You sort of feel sorry for yourself, you know? You know, it's like, gosh, you know what? I come to work. They don't appreciate me at work. I've got parents upset with me about this, 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 and why not play him and this play call? I got this going on. I got got Team Dave Logan going. And so I allow myself once every four to six weeks, like a period in a day where I sort of wallow in (laughs) self-pity. And then honestly, and I, I promise you, I actually do this. And then I will stand up and look in the mirror and say, okay, you know what? Let's get your ass back to work. Mm. And then yeah. we just go back at it. If I didn't love what I do, I think it would be different. But there's really nothing, as I sit here today, between doing the afternoon show, um, between coaching high school football, between doing the play-by-play for the Broncos and Team Dave Logan, I, there's really nothing of those four things that I don't love. You know, the, the old axiom you know, if you love what you do, it doesn't really feel like work. And I think that that probably fits my bill. Two more questions for you. The first is, when did you know you were not just a good athlete, but a really good athlete? I don't ever remember having a conscious moment that I thought, man, I'm, I'm really good. Yeah. You know, I was, I mean, I was 6'4 and 215 pounds as a senior in high school. Yeah. So I was probably bigger than most. And I could run. I could always run. But I, I don't. I don't remember ever, ever really thinking that. I think. Listen, I remember going to my first training camp with the Browns, and we played uh, the first pick, and I was the second pick of the Browns that draft. We played in the college all star game back in Chicago, and that was the last college all star game they had. The game got rained out in the third quarter. I mean, they stopped the game <laughs> at Soldier Field. We're playing the Steelers, and we're just getting our brakes beat off. I mean, they're just a bunch of grown men, just almost assaulting a bunch of twenty year old kids. So it was like 24 to nothing. They stopped the game. I went to training camp. So I get to camp late, and Paul Warfield is a starting receiver. I'm playing behind him. Paul, now in the Hall of Fame. My receiver coach is Raymond Berry, Hall of Fame receiver at the Colts. So I was struck in my first camp that, man, this is the NFL, and this is the elite of the elite. And even as a confident athlete, I had – I mean, there were a couple nights that I called home on my rotary phone (laughs) – and I told my, my dad, uh, I'm, you know what, I can't do this. I'm just going to come home. And he just said, not going to do it. We're not, it's not what we do. And I felt like saying, well, it's not really what we do. It's what I do. But he talked me out of it. So, you know, I, I, I knew once I got to the NFL that, and, and actually figured out, wait a minute, I can play here and I can be a good player at this level, then I, the, my confidence probably went up. Finally, did you ever think – having spent so much of your youth in Denver, that it would turn out this way for you in this city, in this region? No, no, I never did. I, I was not and continue to be this way. I was, I've never been somebody that had a huge plan of where I wanted to be in a year or 18 months or two years. I was always somebody that just figured, you know what, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do the best I can. And let's sort of see where this journey takes me and, yeah. in this case, my family. So, no, I, 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 never, I never once thought about that. When I retired from the NFL, or I guess more appropriately, when I got retired <laughs> uh, as a member of the Broncos, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And, and frankly, I talked to a, a friend of mine who was with New York Life. And he said, Dave, I think you'd be really good 
um, working for us. And so I was starting to take all the tests. Really? To, my dad was, a, was an estate planner the last few years of his life. He would oh. cold call farmers. He drove out in eastern Colorado in Julesburg and Holyoke, and he would go up and knock on the door of a farmer and say, Hi, I'm Maury Logan, and uh, do you have a will? And the majority of those farmers did not. And he put together a will that saved them ultimately uh, a lot of their estate. Um, and so I said, well, that's, I, might, I might try that. It seemed it because I like numbers, and it seemed interesting to me. And then uh, my college baseball coach, Irv Brown, called and said, hey, you want to do a, you want to do a Super Bowl preview show on the radio? And I said, okay, well, so what am I going to talk about? He said, the Super Bowl, <laughs> which made sense to me after I had asked a dumb question. So I did that. I talked about the uh, Super Bowl uh, with the Dolphins and the Niners. And that turned into 12 months of working with Irv Brown and Joe Williams and not getting paid. And, uh, <laughs> and then the next year, I got $1,000 a month. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I had a daughter who had just been born at that time. And I said, I, I'm not going to be able to survive on $1,000 yeah. a month. But I hung in there and I enjoyed it. And I was always a sports nerd. And so and I enjoyed talking to people. And so it just, I, I was just blessed to sort of head down that path. And, and I owe Irv and Joe that opportunity. It's been a lot of fun. You've been most gracious with your time. I thank you for that continued success, my friend. Appreciate it, Mike. Thanks. That's Dave Logan, voice of the Denver Broncos on KOA News Radio, head football coach at Cherry Creek High School, and founder and owner of TeamDaveLogan.com. Dave is in his 29th year on the Broncos broadcast and in season number 26 as a high school head coach, and he shows no signs of slowing down. Many thanks to Dave for his time and to you for listening. Talk with you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Mike Rice Podcast.